Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's drjoebrickner.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. Welcome everyone to Building with Brick, Foundation Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. And I have a special guest. I say this every time. I have a special guest. Uh, that's right. Uh, I, I, I feel people, special, man. It's not, not my normal day. Everybody is special to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, any anytime I can have a good friend, that's special. So my special friend this time is Rich Neiman. Rich is a, a former ABA and MBA player. Uh, St. Louis U grad, really good career there. And fortunately for me, I was able to team up with him and play quite a few years of AAU ball after he left pros. And I'm just really pleased to be able to share Rich with you today. So, Rich, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Rich, you're 7'2", or at least you used to be. You're probably about 6'9", right? Yeah. right? So, yeah. 7'2", or so. Played college basketball, played pro basketball, et cetera. But were you always really tall growing up? I mean, were you always ahead above everybody else? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. All the way back from, from when I can remember, you know, always in the back of the classroom, which was a good thing. <laughs> always in the back of the line, which, you know, if it was food, that was not such a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you play other sports when you were young? Or was it strictly um, basketball? The the thing, and I probably you did the same thing. We played with the guys in the neighborhood, whatever was current. So spring, summer was baseball, wiffle ball, softball, catch whatever it was. And then you know when the fall came along, we played touch football for you know six on six, or, you know stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But I never played anything organized until basketball. When did you decide that you were going to concentrate on basketball? I think it was kind of decided for me. Um, I was not a very good baseball player. so um, Pretty big strike zone. <laughs> <laughs> right. I that one. But uh, anyway, when I went to high school, which was a big high school, 2,200 students at the time, I thought, well, I'll go out for football. And I, I remember watching it one day and thinking, there's no way I'm going out there with these people, you know? These are the days before, you know, water breaks. You know, it was macho if you didn't drink water, you take a salt pill. Right. The guys were talking about there was a home and the guy had a tomato garden going over there and stealing the tomatoes through the fence and sucking I mean, that's how crazy. Wow. So I, I knew that wasn't my thing. And then, of course, the coaches, because of my height, kind of got me in the playing ball. So it worked out well. Now, you were at DeBerg High School, is that right? Yes, right. 2,200 Catholic boys? Right. Well, girls. Well, girls, too. Oh, you went to the co-ed ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. 
<laughs> I should have known. Where else am I going to meet women? <laughs> and came away with none, by the way. So. Well, you, you yeah. ended up with a great one, there's no doubt. You guys, when when uh, you played in high school, you ended up winning the state championship. Was that your senior year? Senior year, right. Tell us um, a little bit about that. I was not a very good basketball player. So freshman year, I didn't start. I, I didn't play very, very much. Is this the freshman Sophom- team? Freshman team, right. Okay. Then the school was big enough that they had a B team or a JV team, you might say. Mm-hmm. And that I got to play a bunch and, you know, start to enjoy it and, mm-hmm. you know, find some success in that way. Junior year was the varsity and we had actually a really good nucleus of people if you just looked at their size and individual skills. But the word individual is important. That's where it broke down because mm. I got to get my shots and I got to get my shots and I got to get my shots. And we were okay. But having it just didn't work. The next year, I was obviously the biggest player on the team and pro- probably the biggest in the conference. A guy named John O'Brien, who had been my teammate since the freshman year, about a 5'8 guard, just yelled at me if I didn't catch the ball. And he threw it all kinds of ways and all kinds of directions. And by the time I caught it, I was inches from the rim. And it was just a matter of flipping it up there. And that's probably not an exaggeration. So John ended up with 600 or 800 assists. I can't remember what happened that year. And the other guys were willing to put up with that. And we and we won that one. It was a real team effort. Very much. And who'd you play in the state championship game? Championship game was Springfield Parkview. They won it the next year, and they were a good team. The The real challenge was Kansas City Central, the game before. They obviously, I mean, their warm-ups were everybody dunked but the little guard. That was everybody. Instead of warming up, we're standing there watching them in awe of it. Oh, great, this is going to be fun. And, you know, <laughs> we did what you know to do best is we stalled. Seriously. Yeah, two minutes and 30 seconds, score tie, we stalled, and a guy made a layup that we won the game. And the buzzer went off as the ball's going through the hoop. Now, was Warren Armstrong on that team? He was. He was, yeah. He was a pretty dynamic player. And he, um, he, he had a nice pro career and all that good stuff. And we just, you know, we were able to neutralize him, if you will. Um, they had a 6'10 center who ended up going to Mizzou. In fact, this weekend in the paper, his rebound record was just broken by one of the Mizzou guys. But again, uh, and so he and I kind of equaled each other out, and then the other guys took over. Uh, Mike McAvoy, who later played at Rockhurst, yeah, I played um, nice scored a bunch of points. So, you know, it, it's a team thing. You, know, you pick each other up. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. Yeah, My roommate in college, his guy named Steve Northcraft, who was about 6'8", and he played for Rockhurst High School here in Kansas City. And he tells the story of playing against Warren Armstrong, which I think later on he changed his name to Warren Jabali. Right, he but, did. Uh, he said, and he was only like 6'4", Armstrong was, and he said he was at the uh, free throw line, and somebody was shooting the free throw for Central against Rockhurst. And Steve, being 6'8", he's on the inside lane, and right next to him is Armstrong. He said, the guy shoots and misses, hits the back of the rim, and the ball goes up. And he goes to get the rebound. Armstrong goes up over the top of him 
and slam dunks the ball back down in. He's going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Six four, and he jumps over me, over the top of me, and dunks on top of me. So he was quite the talent. So that had to be fun. That had to be fun beating them, and then gosh, winning the state championship. That that had to be one of the highlights of your basketball career. It it was it was life changing for sure, both personally as far as self confidence and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously the opportunity to go to college. I had been recruited prior to that, as you can imagine, possibly because of my size. Sure. But it really, really helped in that way. I feel. So anyway, it all it all worked out really well. Great, great memories. I think another guy that you know, Pat Brooks. Yes. Um, the students. From the bird to go went to the game, started going back to the convent after the because the nuns were not allowed to go. So what we did is we go back and go into the gym and a bunch of people cheerleaders up yell and scream a lot and, and give the nuns a flavor of what was going on. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was that was just how strict it was. And the semifinal game, the bishop had to give the nuns permission to go to the game. I'll break up if I talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's that's cool. I, I know going to a Catholic school, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on too, going to Catholic school can be life-changing in both directions, right. unfortunately. Right. So yeah. remind me if I don't bring it up, I do want to talk about your Catholic education later on and get into some other topics. Sure. So who else was uh, maybe your final candidates as far as a choice for college? You ended up at St. Louis U, which is your hometown. Right. So, who else was really after? I my first ever recruiting trip, I went to Notre Dame, mm. and they were not a basketball power at the time. They were obviously football. Right. And I remember flying. You had to fly to Chicago, and then fly another plane to South Bend. And you know they're small airplanes. So I'm talking to this guy, and he's a football recruit. And he's talking. He said, yeah, yeah, this is my 10th school. I'm visiting. I'm just having a great time. <laughs> and I get to thinking about that and how you make a choice after you've been to 10 different places. So I narrowed it down to four. And um, I went to Dayton as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to Loyola, New Orleans, which really was, you know, it was okay. But I pretty much probably knew that wasn't where I was going to go to school. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was, that was those were my four trips, and, and those were the schools that that I was, you know, reached kind of the final four, if you will. Yeah, not, was Dayton in your conference back then? In, in St. Louis's conference? No, they were not. No, they were not. I don't know what conference they were in. We played them every year, yeah. but they were not in the conference. No, because they were a powerhouse back then. Yeah. They ended up going to the, you know, in retrospect, to go to the school, and they ended up going to the final four. A player named Don May. Yeah. They had a six eight center who was, you know, well, you know, a six eight center, and and you keep thinking, hmm, maybe I could have been there, but I yeah. wasn't. So. Yeah, they're uh, one of their starting forwards was a teammate of mine in high school, Danny Sadler. And, Remember the name? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Danny started back then. Freshmen weren't eligible. He started for three years for him. After yeah. that, he went to Europe played. But I really, really wanted to go to to Dayton. Uh, if you know, if you read my book, I, I talk about that. Yeah, um, making yeah. choices that I mean, there's no way in hell that they were going to recruit you know a, a six foot guard that averages 13 points a game. You know, yeah. <laughs> it just wow. wasn't going to happen. 
So uh, the, the shot more. I probably should have. You <laughs> <laughs> throwing it up there, man. <laughs> it just wasn't in my DNA. <laughs> so well, that's interesting. So you ended up picking SLU, and uh, was the hometown thing the, the thing that really pushed you over the edge? I would say it pushed me and was pushed. My my father had passed when I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. And so I left my mother alone. And I felt that I wanted to be close enough to help her if she needed help. So my only negotiation was, can I live in the dorm? Because I didn't want to stay at home, right. kind of miss college life. Mm-hmm. But I really was um, a couple buses away from home, if, if that was the deal. Mm-hmm. So at SLU, what what did you decide to major in? <laughs> Don't want to hear this. <laughs> Chemistry. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. Well, I yes. know you've always been a great student. You were a great teacher after you uh, moved Thank uh, you. outside of basketball and everything. But uh, chemistry, ooh, that's some heavy stuff. Well, it turned out to be. I'm a list follower. And I don't know if you remember advising during the, today the advisor really gets to know you and helps you select and stuff. This was more, I, I knew science was a potential job avenue. You know, the space shuttle that just was in the process to shoot, you know, all that. So I thought, yeah, that'd be cool. So I go to this professor and, hey, what do you want to major in? And he shows me these things. And he said, now here's a chemistry program in my mind. Cool. I got it. And it was, you know, in blocks in the book. And what I did for four years was just check off those blocks. Mm-hmm. And it worked out really well. I, I was planning to be a laboratory chemist. A couple summers, I got a job to do that at Monsanto mm-hmm. and realized that was not what I wanted to do. You know, sit in a lab and watch reactions happen, write about them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I didn't know what I was going to do had that not worked out. But anyway, so that, that was what I did. So you ended up majoring in chemistry and graduated right. with a degree in, in chemistry. Right. Wow. Right. You know, it's interesting that you said you didn't know exactly what you wanted to major in. And I, I kind of had some of the same experience at Benedictine. I went there. I was really good in math in high mm-hmm. school. Just all my really, really good grades were in math. So I, I get to Benedictine and think, yep, I'm going to major in math. And plus I thought, you know, math is hard, and if you get if you major in something hard, you should be able to get a good job when you get that. <laughs> exactly. was my that was my thought process. Yeah, it had exactly. nothing to do with what do you do with math if you don't teach, you know. <laughs> right. So right. I ended up majoring in math and graduating, but I hated it. <laughs> it's just really? well, yeah. when I got into college math, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't as exciting, and I'm not sure that our teachers that we had at the time Benedict's and math were great. You know, they were okay. But yeah, I just right. wasn't motivated in that. And so fortunately I minored in business and that took me into a career after college. But um, so you end up getting your degree and did you get drafted then into the NBA or the ABA? I did. The NBA they weren't doing what they, first of all, there's only 16 teams, I think, at the time. Yeah. So the NBA wasn't doing the big thing that they have on TV where you pull the thing out of the hat and put a hat on it. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that way. But there was a, a value to being drafted more highly, money, of course. Right. 
So I was drafted fourth by the Detroit Pistons. That meant they went around, you know, worst teams first and went around and around and around. So I, I got drafted by them. In the ABA, there was a, a, a war, a conflict between the two leagues. How are we going to get the players? How do we get the best players, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So they they were drafting in groups, groups of 10. The idea being that you never really knew quite where you were. You know, you might be the 10th out of 10th, or you might be the first. And it was going to save them money. That was the whole thing, I think, hmm. was about it. Interesting. So I went to Detroit and spoke with them and said, this is what we'll do. And I, I didn't, it wasn't a no card. I got $2,000 in the contract, you know. So um, anyway, I went there, and then I thought, well, I'll just fly to Indiana, which had drafted me in the other way. And I said, well, well, since they're the lesser league, they'll offer me more money. And their offer was way, way less. <laughs> so, you know, so obviously I took to try. Yeah. And I think you met some of these people, but um, that summer, my coach at SLU hooked me up with a guy named Jim McGregor. And McGregor ran um, foreign player trips, if you will. Okay. He was the shyster to the nth degree. Um, <laughs> he convinced, in my case, Gulf Oil to sponsor him. So we traveled the world with the Gulf Oil uniform. Yeah. He sold the games to the local people. And then he tried to sell the players to the local team. So he had, he had it covered all the way along the line. Wow. So I, I went to a tryout. They had a tryout in the East Coast, tryout in the West Coast. I went to that, got selected. And so I spent that summer uh, playing ball pretty much all over South America and Europe, um, like 60 games. And that helped a ton. Helped a ton. Yeah. That, that had to be exciting, too, being able to see the sights. And... Yeah. 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 You know, if you did it well, a, a lot of sights that the guys saw were, you know, the, the ladies in the bar late at night. We played in the evening, of course. Not that I have any, whatever. I, the guys I hung out with, we'd go to dinner, go to bed, get up in the morning, go tour whatever it was was there. Like, I mean, not that I never went out at night, but you know, it was that kind of thing. It's a different way to look at it. So yeah, I was very, very lucky. Well, Rich, I think we're going to take a short break. And okay. when we come back, I'd like to get into maybe some of the coaches you had and some of the things that you learned from those coaches, etc. So. Let's take a, a short break, and we'll be back in a minute. Sounds great. <laughs> 